Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we do an update of episode 10, what you need to know about buying Disney World tickets as we continue on in our Disney Essential series. Find old episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Special shout out and thank you to Amanda Keds for your recent review. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Type. Welcome back to Disney Decipher. So all the way back in episode 10, almost two years ago, we did kind of a basic rundown of tickets at Disney World, ticket types, things like that for people to understand. And one thing I've been realizing is as more and more people are going to Disney World, as my friends are getting older, their kids are getting older, there still is a need to kind of go over the basics or re-go over the basics, which is why we're doing this Disney Essential series. And we figured two years has been long enough. We've seen like three price increases since then. So it's time to just do uh, Tickets 101 again. So uh, Leslie, you're ready to crunch some numbers with me today? Yeah, I am. I'm really surprised to see how much has changed in that two-year time. And a lot of it really incrementally, like maybe small things that you wouldn't even notice. Like I didn't know that the tickets were not called Magic Your Way anymore. That name is out. So we'll hopefully fill in the gaps for some people on those kind of smaller details so that they know that they're getting the most accurate and up-to-date information. Yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. They're now called standard theme park tickets. So it kind of doesn't get more magical than that. I know. (laughs) Wow. I mean, with all the naming possibilities. Come on, Disney. One of two shameless plugs in today's episode. You know, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are pretty experienced. So maybe this ticket stuff isn't for you. But you know, if you have friends who haven't been to Disney World in a long time or are first timers, please send them uh, our way. I just really feel like you're getting to the point where you kind of need like a master's degree or maybe a PhD to kind of decipher all this stuff for lack of a better term. Sorry. And so, you know, Hopefully uh, we can help some people out. That's right. This is what we're here for. It gives opportunities to us, if nothing else, Joe. Yes. So self-serving. Exactly. All right. So let's start with the basics. These days, you know, everything is electronic. So when you buy a ticket from Disney World or from anywhere else, it's an electronic ticket. You get an email. You can either use the barcode from that email to link it to My Disney Experience, which is the app that everyone should have before they go to Disney World. Or you can take it to Will Call. Either way, you can pick up an RFID card, which will be linked to your ticket. And that's kind of what you use to tap in because you need to physically tap an RFID, either card or a magic band, if you have a magic band, to a turnstile. It's like a Mickey head when uh, you get in. It makes much more sense if you've been there before. It's basically all electronic. You got a card, you got a band. That's where your ticket is these days. There's no more paper tickets. Exactly. And so things have changed. Disney has moved to variable pricing, which means the price that you pay depends on the date that you go. Yeah, this is where the PhD part comes in if you think about it too hard. (laughs) The bottom line is Whether you're going for a single day or for many days, the price is going to be different based upon what that day is and what that start day is for your multi-day trip experience. And it's, of course, based on supply and demand. If you're going Christmas week, it's going to be more expensive than if you're going a random Tuesday in September. It's what you will expect. But if you have kids and you're on a school schedule, it's probably going to be pricier for you. You're going to be paying those peak prices. But it really is complicated. I don't even try to memorize the price tiers anymore. I just go and look at the days that I'm considering going to see what the prices are because it's impossible to keep in your head. 
one thing that people were worried about when Disney moved to this variable pricing is that they would be adjusting prices like dynamically, like as more tickets were bought for a certain day, that price would go up. That still has not happened as of this recording. And so hopefully it will still not be that way. So it's every time there's a ticket price increase, you know, all these kind of high demand and low demand prices change. And this is a good place to insert that bit of a mea culpa. We should have done this episode in January. Sorry, everybody, because the annual February price increase of Disney World and Disneyland tickets did happen in February. You can kind of set your clock to it. Disney will raise prices almost every February. So if you are listening to this in the fall of 2020 or some other time, it's getting close to February of any given year. If you've decided for sure that you're going to Disney World, you might as well buy those tickets because around February every year, the prices go up. Yeah, you can almost set a clock to it. Although Disney did mix things up the last couple of years. They didn't do the increases quite on the same date. They did one in late January and one in March but the prices are going to go up every year. I think that's the one certainty that we now have. Disney has not found the pain point that is keeping the crowds away. So, you know, it's going to be a 5 to 10% increase every year. That's what the what we've had historically the last few years. Budget accordingly, I suppose. It's uh, not great. If you are caught by a price increase, you usually can get tickets under the old prices, and we'll get into this later, from ticket sellers like Undercover Tourist or Getaway Today. Here's shameless plug number two. We do have affiliate link with Undercover Tourist, so if you're buying your tickets and you'd like to support the podcast, that's a great way to do it, especially if signing up for Patreon or something like that is too much. But yeah, normally when a price increase hits, you have a week or two to buy through Undercover Tourist or Getaway Today and still keep with the old prices. But after that, it's kind of you're waiting for the next price increase or trying to get in before then. That's right. Well, maybe I guess it's a good time to talk about Getaway Today and Undercover Tourist more generally and all of these ticket resellers where to buy your tickets. I don't ever buy my tickets from Disney directly. Do you, Joe? So there's only one circumstance where I say you might as well buy from Disney directly. And that is if you're buying a one or a two day ticket. For most of the ticket resellers, they're actually more expensive to buy from them for a one or two day ticket. Because if you think about it from Disney's perspective, the one or two day tickets are bought by the people who are kind of around for a weekend and they just decide last minute to go. And so they do not discount them for undercover tourists or getaway today or other resellers. But if you're buying a three day ticket or more, it's always cheaper to buy from a reseller like Undercover Tourist or Getaway Today. And the tickets are exactly the same. You can link them to your My Disney Experience the same exact way that you would link a ticket from Disney World. You have all the same benefits and all the same rights of buying your ticket from Disney World. So you're just saving a few bucks to get the same ticket. Yeah, there really is no downside if you can just plan a you know couple days in advance. And hopefully you're planning... 60 plus days in advance for Disney World. But yeah, buy your, buy those tickets for those longer trips from the resellers because you will save money. And there's really no downside. I mean, it used to be that sometimes the resellers, you'd have to go to a ticket booth and redeem them or something like that. So there was a hassle factor. That is totally gone. So if that was your experience many years ago, that's not there anymore. Yeah, I'm a big, big believer in the, in the resellers. But of course, you know, I am always going for longer vacations to Disney World. So it's a little bit different for those of you doing that walk-up trip. One last thing before we get into the actual ticket types. Everyone should know that there is a validity length for the ticket. Basically, that means depending on what type of ticket you buy, you only have a certain number of days to use all the days on the ticket. So for example, if you buy a four-day ticket, you have like seven days to use those four days. So that allows you to build in rest days, but also means you can't like use one day of your four-day ticket and use the next day like two years later. That no longer works. Everything kind of expires after a max of like 14 days or so. 
Yeah, that's right. And even just a, a year or so ago, all tickets, you had like a 14-day window to use them. And that's not true anymore. So if you're buying a shorter two or three-day ticket, you have you no longer have 14 days to use it. So if you're going to be like, say, on a longer Florida road trip, you really have to look at those validity links for those tickets to make sure that you, you know, if you're, especially if you're going to build in several rest days or go somewhere else for a while and come back to Orlando, you have to make sure that the ticket is going to be good for long enough. Yeah, they don't want you hopping over to Universal in the middle of your ticket and coming back, trying to uh, corner the market, so to speak. All right, so let's get into these ticket types. Let's start with the super exciting standard theme park ticket. <laughs> what does that mean, Leslie, if you're just buying a standard theme park ticket? Really, I don't know why they got rid of Magic Your Way. I mean, they make everything confusing enough as already. They might as well have had a nice name for the ticket. I know. Everything has magic in the name anyway. Like, why why get rid of it? But uh, yes, yeah, so the standard theme park ticket, a lot of people call these the base tickets. This is a ticket that allows you to go to one park each day. So if you have a single day ticket, base ticket, you can go to one park. And if you have a multi-day ticket, say you can, like say a three-day ticket, you could go to Epcot on your first day and you could go to Magic Kingdom on your second day. And on your third day, you could go to Animal Kingdom, for example. So no hopping from park to park in a single day, but on different days, you can go to different parks. Yeah. And currently these Standard theme park tickets, I'm just going to keep saying that because I think it's funny, are running at the lowest price, $109 before tax for a single day ticket and around $500 before tax for a five day ticket. One thing to note, Disney says the more you stay, the less you pay to play or something to that effect. And that is true because a five day standard theme park ticket is $500, but a 10 day standard theme park ticket is only quote unquote $600. So, you know, that average price per day really does go down as you add those days on. But of course, if you're staying for a long time, you're going to have to pay for those hotels. All right, Joe, well, let's turn to all the various add-ons that we can add to these tickets these days. So dive in. What's the first one that you want to talk about? Ho-ho, I see what you did there because the first one is the water park and sports option. So Disney has a lot of offerings that aren't just the theme parks. So there are miniature golf courses. There's a regular golf course. There's the ESPN Wide World of Sports. There's the NBA experience. And there's also the two water parks, Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. So if you add the water parks and sports option, what that means is you get able to visit these different offerings that Disney has. And I always have trouble describing this, so I'm just going to straight up quote Tom Bricker uh, on Disney Tourist Blog, and I'll link to the site. He says, you are eligible for the same number of admissions as the number of days on your ticket. Meaning, if you have a seven-day water parks and sports option added on, then you can enter one of those other things seven times. It's a little bit confusing, but it's not a huge add-on price-wise. And so if you want to do those other things to break up your vacation, um, you know, it can be a good thing to do. That's right. And I think a lot of people do get confused about the number of days versus the number of admissions. Every time you enter one of these things, that counts as one. So if you go to Typhoon Lagoon in the morning and you go to Blizzard Beach in the afternoon, you've used up two of your admissions. So just keep that in mind. It's not the same way of counting as we're counting like theme park days. Right. However many days you have on your ticket, that's how many admissions you have to these water parks and sports options. All right, Leslie, let's talk about one of your favorite things, the park hopper option. What is that when you uh, add that to a standard theme park ticket. 
Well, for once, the name is actually descriptive and helpful. The park hopper option lets you hop between the various theme parks on the same day. So you could start your morning in Magic Kingdom, you can have lunch in Epcot, and then you can have dinner in Animal Kingdom. Or you can start in Magic Kingdom, go to Epcot, go back to Magic Kingdom. Whatever you want to do, you're, the sky's the limit for moving among the four different theme parks on a single day and for the entirety of your vacation. The park hopper is not something that you could add for like one day of a multi-day ticket. It's something you buy for the entirety of your multi-day ticket. I'm a huge fan of park hopping and it's really worked well for my family in recent years as our kids have been younger because we've often gone back for the mid-afternoon rest, nap, or swim at the hotel. So we often want to go to a different park at dinner time. And depending upon how long your vacation is, it may not really add that much. So if you're on a shorter trip, like for a one day, it's really expensive for a one day park hopper. It adds $65 right now as of early 2020 to your theme park ticket. But if you're going on, say, like a four day or longer vacation, it only costs $85 for the entirety of your ticket. So to me, like a per day basis, like it costs, gosh, you know, 12 bucks a day for a longer trip. Totally, totally worth it to have that flexibility. The other thing to add uh, on the pro park hopper side is that currently a park like, say, Epcot, again, I know people probably will be listening to this in the future, but this is February 2020 right now. Epcot in February 2020 is just not a park that you can spend a whole day at. So if you have young kids like me, and this kind of is the other side of things, if you have young kids like me, I'd probably just do a half day at Epcot and then just rest for the other half of the day or go to the pool or something like that. But if you have older kids or if you want to cram more in or you're just adults, you know, you spend half a day at Epcot, you want to go somewhere else. And so the park hopper gives you the ability to do that. Yeah, that's right. It's Disney. I mean, Disney's always under construction, but the construction is bigger than ever right now as we lead up to the 50th. And people do need to check closely as to whether the park hopper is going to be worth it to them based upon what's happening on the ground at Disney and whether they're going to spend a full day in each of these parks, because not all of them necessarily are, are full day parks for all kinds of visitors. Definitely. And so then the other thing to add on again is the Park Hopper Plus option. So that's basically taking a Park Hopper and jamming on the water parks and sports option on top of that. Same idea. Number of days is the same as your number of admissions. That is, I guess, at this point, you've spent a ton of money, but it is only $20 more than the Park Hopper option standard. So um, that's just another thing to kind of think about there. Yeah, that's right for me. I mean, for a longer trip, it's worth the extra $20 if I'm already going to get a park hopper to get the park hopper plus if I think I'm going to even spend a day in a water park or maybe want to do a round of mini golf. So this is great for longer vacations where you can really do something Disney on your days off. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about, Joe, is... You know, just because you're going for a seven-day vacation doesn't necessarily mean that you should buy a seven-day ticket. In fact, you probably shouldn't because you are going to need some downtime on longer vacations, doing other things, and that's a great way to keep that budget in check. Definitely. So a couple more add-ons to talk about. As we said at the top, you generally are going to choose which days you're going to be visiting the parks or at least your first day entering the park. However, if you want more flexibility, you can pay extra to get a flexible date ticket. And that will have an expiration date of something like a year and a half or two years from now. And you can start on any day from then. Your ticket validity length will still be the same. You'll still have the same seven to 14 days or whatever to finish using all of your days in the parks. But if you're not sure when you're going to start, you can always get that flexible date ticket. However, unless you really need that flexibility, I would just say wait until you know when you're going to go and then buy the ticket accordingly. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Figure out when your vacation is going to be as much as you can. There are advantages outside of just saving money or buying the right ticket. I mean, you, you do need to be planning your Disney World vacations in advance. So I don't really see the value of the flexible date option, but more power to you if you need it. The last thing to note is currently Disney is offering this four park magic ticket and They've offered it like every year for certain months. So it's good to talk about the idea of that four park magic ticket is that you can visit one park per day, like a standard theme park ticket, but you get to visit each of the four theme parks at Disney World once. So it's once at Magic Kingdom, once at Epcot, once to Hollywood Studios, and once to Animal Kingdom. So it is cheaper uh, than a four-day standard theme park ticket. So that's another option to consider. Those are also available on sites like Undercover Tourist and Getaway Today. Now that we've talked about all these crazy ticket options, how are we going to save some money buying these insanely expensive Disney World tickets? We're beating a dead horse at this point, but we're big believers in Undercover Tourist and Getaway Today, so definitely buy your tickets from there. But other than that, just be sure to watch out for the January, February, March price increases that we've already referenced. There are other sorts of discounts available out there, but they're specialized discounts, I'd say. They're not going to apply to everybody. If you're a Florida resident, there are all sorts of different ticket discounts. Um, Sometimes I know a lot of people can at least take advantage of those for their kids, if like grandma and grandpa, for example, live in Florida and are going with them on a trip. So something to watch for. There are also military discounts, and we have a whole episode on that, episode 54, if you want to listen to how to save money if you are a member of the armed forces. And there are all sorts of different discounts. Like a lot of people go to Orlando for conferences, and oftentimes Disney will make available an exclusive link to conference attendees that have tickets a little bit of a, at a discount, or even like tickets that where you can go in the afternoon and evenings after your conference is over. So there's some ways to save some money sort of around the edges, especially if you're kind of there like as an adult by yourself or maybe want to bring your family along for some part of a bigger conference that you're attending. There are also discounts for international visitors. So everything we've been talking about is really limited to U.S. residents right now, but folks who are in the EU and Australia can often get better better deals than we Americans can. Anything else I'm forgetting, Joe? Yeah, just one note on those convention tickets. They generally have expiration dates. So I went to a convention in June of 2017, and I bought an after 5 p.m. ticket, but I ended up not being able to use it for that convention, but I was able to use it later on that year because uh, it didn't expire until the end of the year. So if you're going for a convention and you think you might be going later, you know, I'll just put that out there. You might want to consider pre-buying your ticket, but of course, you're going to have to get there before the expiration Besides that, there are also ticket discounts you can get from AAA. And depending on where you work, make sure you check to see if they offer discounts to Disney World tickets. My personal work doesn't offer that, so I don't have any personal experience with this. But I know people can get discounted tickets through their work. Or I know some companies are part of this organization that's called Tickets at Work or something like that. So make sure you definitely look into that. Agreed. But definitely make sure you price compare with undercover tourists. Like, for example, I have not seen in a very long time that anybody that the AAA, for example, can beat undercover tourists. So no reason to, uh, you know, leave leave money on the table. Yeah, to me, the most common way you're going to beat undercover tourists is via the military discount. Thank you for your service. 
those are going to consistently blow undercover tourists get away today disney world itself out of the water and of course florida resident discounts are going to be really good too but um you know only a certain percentage of the population of the united states lives in florida so there you go all right joe well let's turn to the final topic and we're only going to just briefly touch on this annual passes because i know a lot of people consider whether the annual passes make sense for them if they're going for longer trips or for multiple trips in a single year and you as of right now are an annual pass holder but maybe won't be for long right Yeah. So when we recorded this two years ago, Leslie, I think a platinum annual pass, which is the only annual pass available to non-Florida residents, was $900, which was expensive. But if you took two four-day trips within a year, you essentially broke even or did better than break even because you get things like Memory Maker, free parking, stuff like that. (laughs) In the two years since then, the price of the Disney Platinum Pass has gone up $300. So it's now $1,200 before tax. You can get a five-day standard theme park ticket for $500. So at that price, you know, even two five-day trips, you're only getting very close to breaking even if you're counting the value you get from the memory maker as well. And of course, we're not even including tax. So an annual pass has generally become a bad deal for all but the most diehard people. If you are a Florida resident, however, you can still get the Gold Pass, which just has a couple weeks of blackout dates. That's $719 as of right now before tax. Or the Silver Pass or the Weekday Select Pass, you know, that just keeps increasing the blackout dates. But, you know, you can get a much cheaper annual pass. But for those of us who live outside of Florida, $1,200, if you're only going to go even 10 days a year, it's pretty tough to break even. So I need to update. uh, I have a post with a calculator to do that. I got to update that when I get time. But you know, it's looking pretty rough annual pass wise these days. Totally agree, Joe. All right. Well, let's get into our Disney do's or don'ts when it comes to tickets. Do you have anything for us, Joe? Again, not to sound like a broken record, but when you are price comparing, you really need to make sure you're comparing apples to apples. And that means make sure you're getting everything with tax. So if you're looking at undercover tourists or getaway today, they will already include the tax in their prices. But if you're comparing it to the Disney World website, they do not include tax until you get to the very end. So, you know, make sure you keep clicking through. And when you're calculating your savings, don't forget to add tax because that trips up a lot of people. And so that is my Disney do or don't. I don't know. Do remember tax or don't forget it. Both of them. Exactly. It's funny how that works, right, Joe? Yeah, we were really clever when we thought of that whole entire bit 106 episodes ago. Indeed. So thank you so much. If you have questions about tickets, you should feel free to email us at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com or connect with us on Twitter at WDWDeciphered or leave us a question on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. We really appreciate everyone listening. If you are a Disney pro and you have some tips on how to save money, let us know that as well. If you're a beginner, we're always here to help you answer your questions. So thank you for spending the time with us today, everybody. We will talk to you again next week. And Leslie, I will see you at the Ticket and Transportation Center with an abacus to figure out how much everything costs. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.